Hey, this is episode five of Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze, and you can hashtag at BBBB. And on this episode, we're going to be doing the stables of professional wrestling. This is Bobby, the anti-mime Blaze. That's right, you heard it right. I'm the anti-mime because the mime don't talk, but I do. And hey, what a great intro song from the godfather of shock rock, singer Alice Cooper. And that's me, man. I got lost out there on the road somewhere, Jeremy. I don't know if it's Texas. I don't know if it's Canada. I don't even know, man. I'm just out there somewhere. But before I introduce my co-host, Jeremy, let me just say this. If you're a father at some point, you've probably been a motherfucker. So happy belated Father Day's motherfuckers. And with that said, let me introduce my co-host, Mr. Jeremy Velmer or Jilmer. Uh, or no, Vil- no, 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 no. I am hot stuff, Jeremy Vilmer. Hot stuff. Hot stuff, yes. Uh, I like the song, and I think it works well with my flashy new shark skin jacket. Nice. So my co-host this week is hot stuff, Jeremy Vilmer. Yeah. Your last, last week's co-host was pretty good. The, the brain guy, I liked him. He, he seemed all right. But I think I can bring something new to the show, some new dynamics and some uh, some, some flair, you know, you know, brighten things up around here. Well, Mr. Hot Stuff, thank you for being here with me this week. I appreciate that. Appreciate it very much. Um, with those introductions right there, how about let's get in a couple shout-outs for this week. you have any? I do, actually. I've got one here for uh, a fellow named Ray Daly. Uh, who wrote a poem that I am going to read with his permission, and it is aptly titled "Bell to Bell." Right on. And it goes by, and it goes a little something like this: <laughs> I will throw you in the air. I will slam you on a chair. I will fight you in my socks. I will shut you in a box. I will do a frog star splash. I will do a forearm smash. I will do a figure four. I'll call you a crashing boar. I will see you in the ring. I'll hit you with everything. About our match, I will tell. We will take it. Bell to bell. And that's by Ray Daly. All right. Thank you, Ray, man. That's sweet. I like it. I like it. A little Dr. Seuss Ray there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Anyone else? Uh, you know, I think I'm going to hold out because I, you know what? Yeah, PN News Jr., he just changed his name to PN Grudge on Twitter. I got to give yeah. him a shout out because I know in one day he went through our, uh, the three or four episodes we had up at the time and then, you know, got back to us with some comments. So I really appreciate that. Yes. PN, whoever you are. PN, whoever you are this week, but yeah, he's he's definitely been uh, a voice of uh, on our on our Twitter feed. There, you can find Jeremy at the Geekish Cast. You can find me at Bobby Blaze seven forty four, and you can find us together at Bell to Bell Blaze on Twitter. And with that said, that's going to lead to my first one, and that's Metalhead Mike McDowell. Mike's just a really good dude. He's a he's legit metalhead, man. He really digs that heavy metal music. He's a big fan of the show. He's been retweeting for the show. He's been telling other people about the show. So, Mike, I know you're out there listening, man, and I just want to say thank you very much. Also, I hope you like this shout-out. i got a good one here, Jeremy. The original Steve Regal, Mr. Electricity, former AWA World Junior Heavyweight Champion, he got to us. He, he, he hit us up on the uh, tribute to Dusty American Dream episode, and that's episode four, folks. If you've been heard, go back and listen to that episode about Dusty the American Dream Roads. But uh, Steve Regal got with us and told us about Stardust being so good to him in his career. So, uh, Mr. Electricity, Steve Regal, if you're listening, thank you again for blending in with us on Twitter. We appreciate that very much. You know, and I, I just want to throw this out there, too. How cool have some of the people who have uh, commented to us on Twitter been? 
I love it. It's been it's been beyond cool, man. I don't know um, ice cold, uh, hot stuff. Uh, awesome. Uh, I don't even. You tell me some words to describe it, because man, we've heard some from very very cool people. Well, a baby doll. I mean, I think that's still one that just knocks me on my ass when I think about it. Because you know, when I was a teenage boy watching her walk around the ring, I never thought one day on a computer <laughs> she'll be commenting on one of our shows. That was really cool. Ron Fuller's given us a couple shout outs. That's been really yes. awesome. And, that's, uh, that's huge. Yeah, and that's a big deal to me because, I mean, I'm not from the South, but I do know historically, without the Fuller-Welch family, you don't have pro wrestling as it existed in its heyday. Yeah, so big shout out there to, to, to Ron Fuller, right? That's that's awesome, man, hearing yeah. from him. And you know what? I think, uh, unless you have anything else, Jeremy, I don't want to uh, cut you off, but that might just be a big segue or a good segue into our um, – program this week which are which is going to be the stables of professional wrestling um what about that is that a good segue i think that's a good enough segue yeah we're going to talk about what we think the top 10 stables in wrestling were um obviously there's gonna be a lot of stuff we leave out of this i mean we are a little older and don't watch a lot of the current wwe product so you know we can throw out a whole bunch of guys right off the top if, if they came out in the last 10 years we probably haven't seen them or if yeah we did, or if we did see them we don't want to comment on them yeah, I don't want to uh, seem disrespectful on any one of, of the athletes that are out there today uh, for, you know, some of the WWE's product and some of the other, you know, products that are out there, whether it be New Japan or, or Ring of Honor or Impact or, or anyone. Uh, bottom line is, like Jeremy said, we're, we're not trying to be disrespectful to any of those. We're a little bit older, and our stables are going to be, um, you know, it's not going to be in the last 10 years or so, more likely. I don't think there's anyone, it's safe to say, probably, what, pre-2000? Uh, yeah, I mean, one or two of them might, might bump the edges of the 2000s, but everything has to be before that. Yeah. So anyway, uh, needless to say, you don't get, you don't have to get your parents permission to listen to our podcast because, uh, we're going to age yourself with some of these stables. And again, it's no disrespect to any of the current talent out there working around the world. And I'm glad there's a lot of guys still out there working around the world, uh, making a living in the world of professional wrestling to give us this awesome opportunity to bring you this broadcast. Yeah, absolutely. And and to be fair, I have been watching pro wrestling again, but I'm watching championship wrestling from Hollywood and not the WWE. But that's just a matter of personal preference. I like I like the smaller shows and that's I, I miss NWA Saturday night and that has the kind of feel that I'm I'm shooting for. Yeah, and you've sent me some stuff from there, and I've really enjoyed some of the matches. I'm not up to uh, par on all the guys, but I've seen some really good talent out there, and I really like that. And I'm glad you're turning me on to some different alternatives. Maybe one day we'll even talk about that. But you're turning me on to some different alternative as to uh, some of the smaller uh, programs or promotions that are out there that really just have some tremendously talented wrestlers. And um, that, that's great that we can keep these guys uh, in business. So thanks for turning me on to that, by the way. Yeah, absolutely. So that being said, it's not that we're, yeah, like, like we said, we're not, we're not trying to cut anybody's throat here. It's just these are the guys who, for us, form the core of what a stable was in pro wrestling. And uh, with that, Bobby, why don't you tell us who's number 10? Number 10. Um, hmm, let me think here. Uh, shit. Uh, did you, did you lose your list? No, I'm just debating if I want to change it up on you. Okay. Give me a good reason why number 10 should be the Von Ericks. Well, the Von Ericks. Okay. First off, they were a small little promotion out of Texas that blew up worldwide and was drawing eyeballs from everywhere. Number two, 
my wife and I, when we lost a child, we actually formed kind of an emotional bond of the Von Erich family in, in the uh, ethereal realm. We certainly felt like we could understand what it was like to be in their shoes. Number three, the Von Erich boys could draw some hot ass to any of their shows they went to. They got girls in the crowd, and they practically got raped on their way to the ring. That makes them number 10 in my spot. And I like them being there at number 10. Um, they deserve to be there. Like you said, the thing about it is it was a smaller promotion out of Dallas, Texas. It just fucking blew up. And when you told me, hey, when those Von Erics, did you ever notice all the ass around the ring when the Von Erics boys were in the ring? Um, man, I, I can dig it. So I hope you're happy with uh, with who, who we decided on number 10, the Von Erics. Yeah, I, I am very happy with it, and hopefully everybody else is. Uh, well, I'm going to let you do the next one. All right. I'm going to let you do the next one for a good reason. Yeah. Well, number nine is Hot Stuff, Inc. from UWF, basically, is the era I'm going with, which would be, most importantly, Missy Hyatt. Oh. Hey, maybe she'll write us. There's there's always hope, I guess. Uh, Hot Stuff, Eddie Gilbert. And at the point where I really got an eyeball on it, Sting and Rick Steiner. That was kind of the crew that, that took my eyes. Without hot stuff, you never get Sting past being Blade or Rock or Flashboard, whatever his boring-ass thing was, and you never get the WCW that was going to be there. Obviously, without Rick Steiner, you don't get Scott Steiner. You don't get one of the most dominant tag teams of all time without them. Not only that, Eddie Gilbert had a penchant for being a fucking douchebag. Oh, my God. (laughs) Well, you know, but the thing about that, too... What a great mind, a tremendous mind yeah. for the for the wrestling business that Eddie Gilbert had. So uh, so number nine comes in at Hot Stuff, Inc., and I don't think I can add anything that you haven't already said about them. So number 10, the Von Eric family, number nine, Hot Stuff, Inc., with Eddie Gilbert and Missy Hyatt. Yeah, most importantly, Missy Hyatt. Okay. <laughs> well, let's see here on number, what is this, number Eight. Eight, we're treading on dangerous ground with the Dangerous Alliance. How about that? Paul Lee's Dangerous Alliance. Yeah, which I didn't even know this. I didn't know they started in the AWA. Um, he started there with Adrian Adonis, the, ori- the quote-unquote original Midnight Express. Um, that was the original Dangerous Alliance. I knew them more from their NWA slash WCW era. Yeah, you know, when I went back, it, it I recall it, but only because when I went back and looked it up that I realized it had included the original Midnight Express. But I, like yourself, I remember more from the NWA run, of course. Yeah. So, uh, you know, Paul E., and we can't leave a manager like Paul E. having a, uh, a stable of guys because some of those guys that came and went through through there, um, you know, you, you, you've got to put them on there. So, so uh, there's the Dangerous Alliance, folks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, and also, you know, this is where this is where Paul Heyman came from. I mean, Paul E. Dangerously, mm-hmm. this is where he started. So, you know, ECW, some, and I realize he's semi-controversial, but I think most people would accept that Paul Heyman has been one of the most creative minds and probably during the periods where WWF or WWE in the early 2000s was getting some lifeblood pumped back into it. Sometimes he was behind it. Yeah. 
Yeah. And, you know, that's the whole thing is like uh, when you look back, it started off in AWA. I know he had like a brief little run in Memphis, I guess, and then he went to AWA and then eventually to the to WCW. But what, what when you get that uh, transition there around the, the early 2000s with the ECW, um, or I should say around 2000 with the merger or buyout or what have you, when it comes around that time for WCW and WWF at the time or WWE, I don't know what the fuck. But anyway, uh, Paul E., man, I mean, you can't leave his – dangerous alliance off there and that's where he came from sorry about that everybody we uh we seem to have had a uh, internet connection or the ghost of chris adams might have super kicked bobby in the head i don't really know what happened but we're back and we're gonna pick up where we left off how you doing there bobby oh fuck man i'm seeing stars i don't i don't even know i think we dropped off with the danger alliance and if i oh fuck chris adams still haunting me man maybe maybe because he wasn't in that von eric stable i don't know but um anyway i think we're up to the heart foundation how about that yes number seven the heart foundation there you go let's pick up from there jeremy what about the heart foundation well yeah this is gonna be a little bit smaller stable and there were a few different versions of the heart foundation um so i want to kind of reference both here you know obviously the heart foundation the tag team managed by jimmy hart with uh brett the hitman hart and jim the anvil Nightheart. Mm-hmm. awesome dominant heel tag team uh i i they were well they were kind of the the shit until demolition came along and then they were the shit again after demolition <laughs> started to fade um but also the the quote unquote new heart foundation or whatever they did years later when they buffed up a feud between uh, Canada and America yes i love that stuff yeah yeah well i i like them and i just um i'm going to have to go with you know I, I agree with you 100%, and, and you can't leave uh, uh, the impact that uh, Jimmy Hart had in putting together the Hart Foundation. So, uh, and I'm, I'm gonna go if you know the Night Hart and Bret Hart, obviously a fat reference there for that stable. Um, and again, thank you for bearing with me with the super kick. Obviously, it's had its effects, and I'm not even fucking drinking yet. Yeah. But uh, but I do have something to say about the next one. So unless you have anything else about the Hart Foundation, I have nothing more than than to agree with you, man. Um, I, I do want to say this. You know, there was a time where I thought Bret Hart really got fucked over by the WWE. And then after looking at it with 20 years to kind of look back, I think the right thing to do was fuck him, take the title off of him, because you can't even run the partial risk of somebody disappearing with their belt to another company. I kind of hate to say (laughs) it, but, you know, just years later, looking back on it with a cooler head and a little more age on me, Bret Hart was starting to get a little jumpy at that point in his life. I, I think we all rem- you know, remember seeing him kind of get a little woe is me about shit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, yeah, Bret, all Americans usually lose the title in America. It doesn't hurt to have a Canadian lose the title in Canada. Yeah. Um, you know, my only two cents on that is um, I read Bret Hart's book and I enjoyed it, but I, it was one of those things where it just kept, it's like you said, it's like, well, for me, it's like, I'm thinking, man, you, you was there 14 years or 15 years of a good fucking job. You was a champion. You was tag team champions. And I don't want, you know, uh, uh, crush the guy or bury the guy, but I just kept getting the impression like, when, when's this going to get better? And uh, when's it stop going to be? I know it's your book, but when's it all about, you know, you and, and, and losing the fucking title in Canada, man. I mean, you know, hell, uh, I, I think what you said is correct. And looking back now, you, you have to protect your business. And, and, and Vince knew what he was protecting, you know. So yeah. um, whatever the fuck it is, you know. Yeah, and it's not going to be very often you hear me say Vince was correct. You know, Vince McMahon was correct <laughs> about something. So. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I know that's, well, a, that's an odd hill to go fight on, but that's the one I picked, you know. Yeah, no, no, man, that's cool for me. I'm I'm good with it, man. I I just um 
uh, you put a you put it in there in a good spot, I guess you know. But but you know we're talking about the the stable there, and you're, you're talking about one individual in that stable. Look at the run he had with that you know with that stable and, and as an individual. So why bitch, right? Yeah, exactly. You know? Look, Bret Hart was a great so, tactician. He was a great psychologist in the ring. He uh, actually wrestled. Yes. You know, there's you know there's not much to complain about, and I'm not even really complaining. I just understand. No, no. I just understand why as a business owner, you know what? Fuck it, I'm not taking the risk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When you look back at it that way, you have to do what's best for your business at that time. Yeah. You know, and so, um, and, and again, I'm going with the whole pin me, pay me thing. Who gives a fuck if it's your hometown or your home country? And I realize it wasn't his hometown, but it was his home country. But how many fucking Americans lose the title in America, you know? And I love Canadian people. Yeah. They're all pretty damn cool people, actually, you know? So uh, shout out to you over there in Canada land. Um, I got my first big break up there on the, uh, in the Maritimes. But, uh, man, fuck. You got to get beat, get beat. I mean, that's just, it's a fucking pin me, pay me, motherfucker. Yeah. Well, you there know, you go. I want to I expand on this a little bit. What's the number one complaint you hear about Shawn Michaels? He didn't want to toss the title to anybody, right? He didn't want to do his job. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so Brett not losing in Canada is basically not wanting to do your job. It's hard for me to bitch about one and not the other. I'm, I'm not trying to create a moral equivalency. I'm just trying to say that. Look, you know, when when I'm working and I'm told to do, fuck, I've had to go fire customers who were good customers because they did a couple pain in the ass things. I don't want to do it. It neg- negatively impacts my pay, but it's that or lose your fucking job, you know? Yeah, and, that, you know, actually, that's kind of where the pin me, pay me came from, um, where I took that from really was a little bit not wrestling related, but life related because, um, you know, Sometimes you got a job and you think, oh, I've got this big dream. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And, and I'm, I'm going to own my own company or I'm going to, uh, uh, you know, wh- whatever it is. And you've got this dream job. You're going to make all this fucking money. You're going to be rich and famous. But I took um, the idea of that of uh, um, pin me, pay me basically from uh, 1985. There's a really good movie called um, Runaway Train that had John Voight and Eric Roberts in it. And John Voight's character basically talks about um, – uh, uh, Eric Roberts, uh, whose name's Buck in there, his, his dream. And he says, you know what, man, that's bullshit. He said, you ain't going to do nothing like that. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to get a job and you're going to do what you're going to do. You're going to get a little some job some convict can get, like scraping trays in a cafeteria or cleaning out toilets. And you're going to hold on to that job like gold because that's what it is. It's gold. And let me tell you, Jack, that is gold. You listen to me, motherfucker. And let me tell you, when that man walks into the day, he comes in to see how you've done. You ain't going to look in his eyes. You're going to look at that floor because you don't want to see the fear in that man's eyes when you jump up and grab his face and slam his head into the floor and make him scream and cry for his life so you look right at that floor jack pay attention to what i'm saying motherfucker and then he's going to look around that room and he's going to see how you done he's going to say oh you missed a spot over here jeez you didn't get this one here what about this little bitty spot and you're going to suck all that pain up inside you and you're going to clean that spot and you're going to clean that spot until you get it fucking shiny clean and on friday you're going to pick up your paycheck and you're going to do that and if you could do that you could be president of Chase Manhattan. Corporations, you could do that. And Buck says, not me, man. I wouldn't do that kind of shit. I'd rather be in jail. And Manny says, pity, more the pity, youngster, more the pity. And he says, can you do that? And Manny says, I wish I could. So when you're out there, keep your fucking eyes to the floor. You mop that spot. You clean that fucking toilet. You do what you got to do and collect your fucking paycheck every week and do your fucking job because that's it. Pin me, pay me. 
I hope I didn't go off on too much of a rant, but no, there you go. I think, <laughs> Straight I think, shoot. <laughs> I think you helped illustrate exactly the point that I was trying to make yes. in a very well, weird spot. Well, I caught spot. your draft yeah. there, yes. We yeah. put it in a good spot. Um, but I get that a lot on my Twitter, on especially Mondays on my Twitter feed about, I'll get hit up on, man, I'm back to the grind, or it's, you know, it's like if, if the rest of the fucking week starts off like yesterday does, you know, and we all do it. Oh, and yeah. you have that one day or those couple days or that week, and you're like, you know what, though? You just fucking keep on cleaning. You keep on doing your fucking job. And at the end of the week, you, if you're lucky, you collect your fucking paycheck and you go about your business. Pin me, pay me. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So- <laughs> that's that's probably enough of us going off that topic. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Let's go to uh, number six with the Heenan family. Yes, the Heenan family, and I'm going to blend in with Nick Bockwinkle, Ray Stevens, and Bobby Duncan Jr. I think that was the first one, and I know you're a big AWA fan, so correct me if I'm not right on that, but, man, just Bockwinkle and Stevens together with with, uh, 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 Bobby Duncan Jr. And Bobby Heenan, that fucking brain, what a a stable that was. Yeah, Um, obviously everybody knows I'm a Bockwinkle fan. Uh, Ray Stevens. Gets a little extra points because he used to be Pat Patterson's tag uh, tag team partner back when they were in the California uh, Roy Shire part of the NWA. So Ray Stevens gets points with me. Uh, one thing you're messing up a little bit, it's Bobby Duncan Sr. that was Yes, I said Jr., and I can't read my own writing, and I knew Bobby Duncan Jr. I did not know Bobby Duncan Sr., and that's probably why I said that. Yeah. But yeah. let me add this. We're talking about stables. But Bobby Heenan said a stable is where you keep a bunch of horse-fested or a bunch of fly-infested horses. And that's why he had the Heenan family. He said, we're a family. We're not a stable. Right. So I dig that, man. Cause that's your man right there, you know, the oh. brain with your other man, Bachwinkle. Yep. And so, I, I think Bobby Heenan was one of the funniest sons of bitches walking the planet. Absolutely. Sometimes he's got his jokes got a little hacky, but you know what? The only way to get good at a joke is to beat the shit out of it, figure out exactly when it works, the right way to say it, the right timing, and then put the fucking thing away and dig it out when it's needed. There you go. That's yeah. what you know. I'm, I'm going to go on another side here. Sometimes my wife in public will call me on a joke that I've been fucking with for a while, <laughs> and she'll be like, "Oh, that's an old joke or whatever," and I'm just like, "God damn it, you can't do that. These people have never heard it." I'm still trying to figure out the timing on it, and and I'm going to fucking tell it again. It's my story. I'm going to reuse it. Right. Yeah. Right. And if it's the first time they've heard it, then, you know, like you said, it's the first time they've heard it, man. You know when to bring it out and when not to. Exactly. And and, and I listen. I'm a big fan of stand-up and comedians and and putting lines in and and, and making people smile or or laugh. So, yeah, if it's someone new, you know, and uh, you're you're telling it your way, your story, hey, man, more power to you. You just got to – you put it in the way you put it, you know. Yeah. You make it work for you. Exactly. So we went from a stable now to a family. Yes. So um, uh, I do. I do want to just throw out some more names. I mean, the Blackjacks. Yes. Yes. Uh, Mass Superstar Killer Carl Cox, Professor mm-hmm. Toru, Ernie Ladd. Uh, you get it later into his career. You know, Adrian Adonis, the Missing Link. He was supposed to have Jesse the Body Ventura, but he had to retire. All right. Uh, I think Buddy Rose was in there for a while. Uh, King Kong Bundy, Big John Studd, Ken Patera. I believe briefly, uh, Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff, when he turned on Hogan, was aligned with Heenan. Just so many names 
that were main events against Hogan or or tag team division back when the tag team divisions mattered. Just so much went through Bobby Heenan's hands. The guy could talk a blue streak. He could piss off an audience. And the one time you saw him get swung by the neck from a belt, you didn't worry about whether or not he was hurt. You kind of hoped they choked the death out of him. <laughs> That's good recall, man. That's good recall. Um, and I think it's a great segue since we're talking about families to move into our, uh, where are we at? Our number five right now? We are going to number five. Number five. Okay. With that said, we're going to mention the first family. That's who I'm going to throw out. The first family managed by Jimmy Hart. And of course, we mentioned him earlier with the Hart Foundation. So with this group here, as you heard Jeremy talking about all the many names that were involved in the Heenan family, there's probably even more fucking names than too many. I'm not even going to name Jeremy. We had talked about this a little bit off the air. I'm going to tell you this. Jimmy Hart was the mainstay. He was the man, the main manager, whatever. But all the fucking names that were in the first family uh, might as well have been second, third, and fourth fucking family, you know? So, uh, But we got to put them in there. So coming in at number five, I had the uh, first family. What do you think? I think that's a great choice. You're right. There were so many people through the first family that it did encompass all the in-laws and outlaws. <laughs> um, you know, one of, I mean, well, Eddie Gilbert was in there at one point. The Poffo brothers, you know, Macho Man Randy Savage and Lanny Poffo were in there. Jim Neidhart, the Iron Sheik. Rick Rude, who I think is a sorely appreciated uh, in wrestling. Uh, Ox Baker, who I never understood why he was a big deal, but that heart punch looked scary as shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, and then you get into his time in the WWF, Greg Valentine, Brutus Beefcake, Adrian Adonis, Terry Funk, Haas Funk, the Heart <laughs> Foundation, the Honky Tonk Man, Dino Bravo. I mean, just, just A-list after A-list after A-list celebrity. You know? Yeah, absolutely, man. So that was number five, the first family. And, and, and again, we're probably still missing a couple of people. Oh, off- I'm, the Heenan family and off the first family. I, so I read less. <laughs> yeah, I read off less names than than I. Let me see. I read less than I left off. That's is that right? Yes. Okay. So a shitload of them. A whole shit ton. <laughs> uh, the next one, I'm going to lean on you a little bit because they were a little more southern. But I do want to say it's not not a lack of trying on my part to know more about them. I certainly in theory know a lot about this. But number four is the Stud Stable, and tell us a little bit about them. Well, man, I'm a fan of the stud stable, and just because I'm a big Southern wrestling fan of where I grew up, I, I, I've got some early, you know, TV uh, out of Memphis, and, and, and when I was first breaking in, there was a, um, we actually got some uh, wrestling, uh, the Continental, the old Continental, mm-hmm. and like you mentioned earlier, you alluded to uh, Ron Fuller. And I've had the privilege of meeting Robert Fuller, and uh, the best I could tell over in Continental, the um, the stud stable included, you know, uh, uh, Ron Fuller, and uh, their cousin is Jimmy Golden, uh, who later I'll mention he comes in at Smoky Mountain and, and WCW as well. Jimmy Golden's a cousin, but you got Robert Fuller, Ron Fuller, uh, a young Arn Anderson, and Lord Humongous over in Continental. So I caught the tail end of that, and that that had some different names coming and going to a young. Um, I want to say Tom Pritchard, uh, maybe Brian Lee. A couple other guys may have been, you know, coming on a tail end of that. I could be wrong. But I do know this next one um, that will, that as soon as you said stables, stud stable came to my mind because of the uh, Smoky Mountain run. And in Smoky Mountain, it was Robert Fuller along with Jimmy Golden and Dutch Mantel. 
And uh, man, I can still. They used to just come out to um, the Black Crows, and I'd hear that song, da 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 da, and you knew the fucking stud stable was coming to whip someone's ass, you know. So um, that that's that's where I was going with that. And then also, um, of course, now we know with the uh, the importance of the the podcast and stuff. You're listening to maybe the Stud Stable podcast, and I'll give them a plug there real quick over with the Arcadian Vanguard Group, and and all all hats off to them. They're doing a tremendous job over there. But when it gets to WCW. Robert Fuller becomes Colonel Rob Parker, and um, that's just a great gimmick. He brings in, uh, he has Arn Anderson and Jimmy Golden, and he has Ming as the fucking bodyguard. And that was that big national exposure, and you got that Colonel, you know, Robert Parker out there with that southern accent and the hat and the white, and, uh, you know, feuded eventually with uh, Scary Sherry. And just, you know, when it when it comes like that, it's just, again, you're, I'm leaving off a lot. Of different names, I'm sure, but but um, that to me, I could not leave off the stud stable. No, absolutely not. And apparently, uh, uh, Robert Fuller brought something else with him whenever he went somewhere. Apparently, the guy was hung like an elephant. That's just what I heard. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna throw this out there real quickly. How's that? Uh, just a real quick story. I've heard that story before. Uh, one time, Rip Rogers put on Twitter somebody's going to feel this. And he put question mark and people were guessing. And this is what I was very first on Twitter and people were guessing like, what the fuck? He said, who said it? You know, somebody's going to feel this. And so I don't want to talk out of school or anything, but I was like, you know, they must've went to a bar in Atlanta. Uh, someone's getting her ass whipped or something like that. And basically I guess they had done some TV tapings and, um, uh, as he got out of the car, I guess they was going to head to the hotel bar, and of course, you know, maybe some rats were involved. I don't know. I'm just saying. But basically, I guess he, you know, they all knew what he's packing, and he said, somebody's going to feel this. <laughs> you know, it was that one, and I think the other one, what was the other thing? He said, uh, uh, Mama's got a roast on or something when he wanted to leave a meeting or something. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, yeah, so uh, Tennessee Stud, the Stud Stable, Robert Fuller, uh, apparently, you know, those um, – those Fuller boys are packing. So uh, yes. let's leave it at that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, the name of Ron Fuller's podcast is the Studcast. Yes, the Studcast. My yeah. bad. No, no, no. I just, I just wanted to make sure we got, got the name out there. That way, people could check it out if they want. Yeah, give them a plug, man, and, and you know, go over and give them a listen, guys. You know, we're all about, um, we're getting people plugging our podcast. And uh, don't forget, you got the Geekish Cast, um, not wrestling related, but Jeremy's got a great podcast. That's he, how he and I meet. So go visit the Geekish Cast. Um, there's Morning Morosis with, uh, with our friend Juliet's out there. There's all kinds of other podcasts you can listen to, but we're glad you tuned in our podcast. So I'm just going to, you know, give it, give it a plug there, you know, that give the, go do what Jeremy said. Go give it a listen to the stud cast. Yeah, the guy's a hell of a storyteller, really. Is. Yes. He's seen so much and done so much, and then he reminds me of my great uncle Tom, who passed away a couple of days before my dad passed away. The man mm. could tell a story, and that is mm. a lost fucking art anymore. You know, present company accepted, of course, Bob. Ah, oh, well, yeah. No, no, he's a great storyteller. Um, listened to several of his podcasts as well as, as when he was a guest on several of the other uh, before he even got his started. So uh, what a tremendous storyteller, yes. But let's jump up to number uh, uh, what are we down to? We got down three, to th two, and one, right? Yeah, we're down to number three. Okay. Uh, with number three, we're going to go with uh, D-Generation X. DX, is that correct? That is correct. Um, you know, I, I have gone on record as not being a huge Shawn Michaels fan, but together with uh, Hunter and oh, who else is in there? Uh, one of the Armstrong brothers and Billy Gunn and China. This was a very, very, very watchable 
and dominant group of people. And that's Brian Armstrong. Um, yeah, and I Brian, which one it was. tremendous the way he can talk. Um, and the, you know, he did, Oh, you didn't know. So, you know, uh, I love the Armstrong family. Um, and that's when you put them together like that. Like I said, you don't have to be a Shawn Michaels fan, but when you put that group together and, and plus, Having China in there with the female, I mean, what you so you had a, a really good group of people there, and eventually, what you had, uh, what's his name, uh, Sean, my mm-hmm. good buddy Sean Watman was there. Yep. Um, so just a um, a very good uh, uh, combined together, a good group or a stable, if you will. So yeah, I think I think they earned number uh, three spot. Yeah. Well, and you know, and I want to throw some stuff out there, and it's the number three and number two are going to bleed together a little bit. Yes. But. You know, the DX invasion of WCW Monday Nitro, they raised, there was a thing going on that we forget now, where guys are starting to wrestle under their real names and not their gimmick names, and you didn't quite, now we all knew wrestling was bullshit, but we were seeing things that didn't look so bullshit, and, you know, they're showing up at each other's shows, and they were instrumental, I believe, in blowing a big breath of life into a period of time where wrestling was just fucking on fire. And the thing that kept you on the razor's edge was there was the, the believability factor just sharpened up so much. Yes, yes. And that whole Monday Night War thing, man, yeah. which I think is going to lead us to our number two. Like you said, it's the bleed over. It's no secret, I don't think, to go ahead and add them in right now. The NWO. Yeah, there's there's no way to leave them off this list. Um how would you even describe wrestling before the NWO came out? WWF was in the shitter, WCW in the shitter, AWA closed, um, the Continental was closed, or it folded into USWA, and they were getting ready to fold up. Mm-hmm. Um, Von Erichs were gone. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't get shit from outside the country unless you're a tape trader, so Japanese stuff didn't matter. Uh, regional promotions were disappearing left and right, and they were leaving, leaving in their place not much of anything. And even the big boys weren't getting eyeballs. And then right. one day, Razor Ramon, a.k.a. Scott Hall, a.k.a. Big Scott Hall, came walking out of the crowd on WCW television. Right, right. And, and you couldn't go anywhere without seeing an NWO t-shirt in two months. Right. It just, it, it was... Ingenious at the time, it was just very, the way it was done, uh, like you said, it just kind of bre- uh, a breath of, of uh, the oxygen that needed to, to, to blow that little little bit of oxygen for that little fire to blow it up big time. You know, it was just, that's what it needed, that breath of fresh air, that oxygen hitting that little flame and poof, yeah. blowing it up. And it just continued to blow up from there. You know, it almost got to where, well, it did eventually get up to where it blew up to where it was fucking, uh, it imploded, you know, because you, every fucking person in the world was uh, a member of the NWO at some point or another. So I don't even know if you want to fucking go down that damn list. Well, uh, we can just <laughs> say you can, you can beat a dead horse. Uh, you can't have too much of a good thing. And a one trick pony is only good for that one trick. Um, yeah, you know, there's. I mean, I don't want to shit on any part of it, but yeah, you did get the no, point no, where, no. Yeah, where you did have an NWO white and an NWO red, and then later an NWO silver, and you know, yeah. and I'm sure everybody kind of looked around and thought, "Fuck, what do we? You know, we can't stop it, but goddamn, get this NWO shit off of me." You know, they even, right. you know, in, I'm sure we're gonna do this top ten list of the things that killed WCW at some point, but 
originally the plan for Thursday Thunder and Monday Nitro was one of them was going to be an NWO show, and I don't know how the fuck you one show with just a faction, and one show was going to be WCW. Yeah. And, you know, they weren't allowed to hire more people, and it, you know, it kind of became a, a snake eating its own tail at that point. And, you know, the thing about it is, I, I, again, I don't want to shit on it, but all them guys were making money, and this little known fact, and there's a, there's a, a, a fundraiser out there for me, uh, uh, because apparently all these motherfuckers were making all this money, so I'm going to go ahead and get on this real quick. Mm-hmm. I apparently still owe WCW one fucking dollar. And that's been brought up on several podcasts. And one of our listeners actually started a, uh, a GoFundMe, and I have five dollars in that account because that's the minimum they'll accept in it. But them fuckers was making all that money in that NWO, and I fucking little old Bobby Blaze Smedley owes that fucking company a goddamn dollar. Well, well, come over here and get it on Main Street, motherfuckers. All I can tell you is I ain't got it. Bobby, you got. I was the only one not. In the, I was the only one not in the NWO. You got to explain. <laughs> you got to explain how you owe WCW a dollar to me. I have no idea. Several months back, actually, it's been over six months now. Somewhere around uh, before Christmas time, someone pulled up apparently online. There's the payroll sheets from uh, WCW, and several people still owe money. And I never saw a fucking dime for a calendar I was on, by the way, um, my likeness on it, with the wrong fucking birthday, mind you. Um, but anyway, at some, at some for some reason, my name's listed on that, and I owe him one fucking dollar. So, uh Please help a brother out. <laughs> well, let's but go online. There's apparently a payroll sheet, and it has several people still owing the company WCW money, and Bobby Blaze owes them a fucking dollar. So um, uh, I don't even know. <laughs> I'm just telling you, I owe my fucking dollar. Help a brother out, you know. <laughs> well, do you know the address for your GoFundMe page? No, you know, William Harding uh, donated $5 because we'll give a quick shout-out real quick. Uh, yeah. uh, Travis Heckle, uh, uh, Memphis uh, Wrestling, Memphis Wrestling, it's at Memphis Wrestling. Really good dude, Travis, started me a GoFundMe, and uh, uh, William Harding um, from Twitter uh, donated $5 because that's the smallest donation they would accept. So as far as I know, it's still sitting there in WCW and ha- WC doesn't have Fuck me. WCW hasn't come and collected that fucking dollar, and they can keep the other four as interest for all I give a fuck about, because I ain't got a goddamn dollar for them. So there. Uh, but thank you, Memphis Wrestling. Thank you, William Harding. And uh, uh, keep continuing to pay for that GoFundMe. I don't know what fucking page it is. Send it to my house. I, I need it more than a fucking GoFundMe. And more, I sure as hell need it more than WCW does. So fuck, I wasn't in any NWO. That finishes up the fucking three. DX finished, rolled into number two, which was NWO. So let's roll into the number fucking one stable of all time, if you would, Jeremy. Would you yeah. please? I'm getting I, hot over here. We're God gonna, damn it. We're gonna need, so were you like the only wrestler to never be in any incarnation of the NWO. Just, just rub it in and then charge me a fucking dollar for it. Oh, I shit. So. I guess um, so. Those paydays they were handing out, they fucking charge you a dollar to be on their calendar. Exactly. Those Holy motherfuckers will make all that money and I still owe them a dollar. So fuck me running backwards, WCW. They don't even <laughs> exist anymore and they're still trying to get a buck out of you. Right. <laughs> Damn, that's that's rough. All right, well, there's, yeah. only, there's only one team that could be number one, only one stable. Yeah, that was awesome enough. Had enough gold. Had enough power. Had enough influence. Had enough drawing ability to be the number one stable of all time. And Bobby, you want to tell everybody who it is? The fabulous Freebirds, baby. Goddamn That's right. right. That's right. Freebirds, number one, man. 
everyone has to agree right there, Jeremy. Yeah, you're, wherever you're listening at. France, we got a good listening audience over there. Canada, good listening audience up there. Of course, we're strong in the United States, but the, by God, fabulous free birds, man. That is number one stable. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think, yes, absolutely. There, there could be no way to argue this. The team of uh, Michael P.S. Hayes, Buddy Jack Roberts, and Terry Bam Bam fucking Gordy. That's right. Don't fuck with Terry Bam Bam fucking Gordy. Yeah. You know, he, you know, Terry, the thing with Terry Gordy is he was always, like, younger than you thought he was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, like, he started pro wrestling when he was, like, what, 16 Thir- or... 13, I 13, think. He actually had yeah. his first matches. Yeah, I think he went full-time at, like, 16. So incredible. He's, beat, he's beating men up, you know? He's 13-year-old beating fucking men up. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, the, the Freebirds, they drew a crowd. I mean, the, their, their program with the Von Erichs. Oh, yeah, that's why I couldn't leave the Von Erichs off our list when we was talking about them earlier. But, you know, the thing about that is, is um, uh, of course, we have to mention Jimmy Jam Garvin eventually uh, comes into the fold with the Freebirds. But uh, I'm going to go with you with, the, you know, it has to be Michael P.S. Hayes. It has to be, you know, any two at the, any given time. So it's probably Michael P.S. Hayes, Buddy Jack, and, of course, Terry Gordy. So, um, you know, I, I don't see how we could, you know, miss it by saying that the Freebirds were the number one stable uh, professional wrestling of all time, yeah. unless I'm forgetting something here. And, well, and is that something I'm forgetting? Well, there there is something we have haven't really talked about is that the the freebirds actually had a whole rule named after them yeah where there were three freebirds and when they held the tag title any two of them could defend the title any two of them could defend the title so yeah. we have a freeboard rule right yep if we started at 10 and we worked our way down to number one but i think we both can agree we have left someone off this list that's going to be universal yeah i think so and for that we're going to invoke the new uh, bell to bell with Bobby Blaze, top 10 count, Freebird rule of our own, and we're going to bring in a team that actually numbers above number one. No disrespect to the Freebirds, but you, you can't have a stable without horses, and you can't have That's horses right. without horsemen. So, yeah. Bobby, Four fucking horsemen, man. Universally, unequivocally, number one all time fucking stable the four fucking horsemen i'm holding up fingers right now in my fucking living room doing this podcast man you can't not leave off the fucking all-time greatest stable in professional wrestling the four horsemen no you can't uh just look at the amount of gold going through four four hands yes and you know for me it's always going to be jj Dillon, rick flair tolly blanchard arn and ollie anderson i mean those are going to be you know my four, yeah. my quintessential horseman team. But even yeah. when we lose Oli, they're still a strong team. Uh, you know, Arn, fuck, what a badass. Definitely. Yeah. He didn't get that name the enforcer for no reason, you know, um, about being double A was the enforcer. My favorite was with Flair, of course, Tully and Arn, and, and no disrespect to Oli, but, uh, or anyone else that was a member of the four horsemen. And again, it goes on in the future with whoever, whoever. But my favorite was when Barry Windham fucking come in because he was such a talented, uh, I just love, I was a big Barry Windham fan. So that was my favorite four horsemen group right there was Flair, uh, Arn and Tully, 
and um, Barry, and of course we can't leave out, you know, one of the greatest managers of all time, JJ Dillon, you know, heading up the horsemen. So yeah. uh, that was who I, that was my favorite. So no disrespect to any other of the four. Um, and I know, you know, Ollie was there at the beginning, but um, I'm going with, um, you know, Flair, Tully, Arn, and, and, and Big B.W., Barry Wyndham. Well, so, uh, but it's still the horsemen, you know. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, uh, Barry Wyndham and Rick Root are two guys that I always think get overlooked for th- Yes. Um, yes. You know, I, I think part of what happened to Barry Wyndham was they put that stupid fucking Western Heritage States, uh, whatever the fuck title that meant nothing that only two people ever held. Yeah. I, I think that actually kind of undervalued him a little bit by putting some bogus title on him. Yeah. But Barry Wyndham was a legit badass. Every member of the Horseman, except maybe J.J. Dillon, was a legit badass. J.J. Yeah. had a tendency to cry like a little bitch when he's getting stuck in the spike. <laughs> but they lived that lifestyle, and they Fucking were the Horsemen, man. you know, and that's the thing, man. And when, when Arn went on there and cut the interview and just dropped those fingers down and said the four Horsemen of the Apocalypse, boom, right there you had it. So that there is the all-time greatest stable of professional wrestlers ever assimilated in a world of professional wrestling, according to the Bell to Bell with Bobby Blaze podcast with Jill, Jeremy, uh, what was it? I hot said Jilmer. Stuff. Hot it's stuff. Hot stuff, yes. Jeremy Vilmer. Yes, sir, Jeremy. Give us some cheap plugs on our way out of here. Oh, God. Well, you know, everybody, remember to check us out on Twitter. You can hit uh, Bobby. I'm going to blank on yours because I, I got to the plugs and hadn't been ready for them. Well, you find okay. our you find our joint account at Bell to Bell Blaze. You can find me at The Geekish Cast. Bobby, where do they find you at on Twitter? You find me at Bobby Blaze 744, baby. You can oh, wait a minute. Leave the baby spot off her. Just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, baby doll, you can hit me up anytime you want. Um, Bobby Blaze 744, the Geekish Cast, or the joint account of Bell to Bell Blaze yep. on Twitter. And now if you're on Facebook, you can find us at facebook.com slash groups slash Bell to Bell. It is a closed group. You will have to ask. We brought in. We bring in Bobby sometimes. We're just getting going. We just got a little over 20 members now, and I'd like to see it grow. So if you're on Facebook and you're listening, please come check us out on there. I have started a website. I'm not giving out that address just yet, though. Right. So, so, yeah. how about this? Thank you for your time. We appreciate all the fans listening. We do interact, so please hit us up on Twitter. That's where most of our activity takes place. We've had a lot of good feedback. Uh, again, this is episode number five. It is the, um, the, the the stables, the number one through ten, top ten stables of professional wrestling. But go back, there's four other episodes out there, and episode four was on Dusty the American Dream Roads. We had top ten professional wrestling holds and moves. We also had a top ten greatest of all time world heavyweight champions. So we got a lot of good stuff we're accumulating now. Out there we appreciate you fans i appreciate jeremy and i appreciate this podcast very much so thank you very very much and i'm sure you've got one or two more things to say jeremy and i'm out of here brother all right well yeah i'll just do a quick wrap up that was our our 10 plus one stables of all time the four horsemen reign supreme for bobby blaze and myself hot stuff jeremy vilmer bye-bye everybody along with james j Dillon, just like christmas new year's easter the fourth of july Anytime you see the four horsemen together, it's something special. It's a special day. It's an event, if you would. The newspapers come around. The TV cameras cover it because we're special, because we control wrestling. We rule the world of professional wrestling, the world television champion, the world heavyweight champion, the greatest tag team combination of all time, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, the Andersons, and my humble self.
Tony Giovanni, the rock and myself stand before you in this Yuletide season a little naked. You see, world television champion, world heavyweight champion, but Rocky and I are a little bear. Our tree is a little bear. But let me tell you, beyond the shadow of a doubt, that's temporary. You see Nikita Koloff, you've got to stop. You're the U.S. heavyweight champion. I'm not forgetting that. Ronnie Garvin, Barry Windham, you're the U.S. tag champion. Rocky and myself have not forgot that. So rest assured, GQ ball, as I stand here before you, rest assured, your U.S. title is in jeopardy. It doesn't get mentioned much, but it's in the back of my mind because I'm going to tell you, I myself, personally, am going to restore the name Anderson to where it should be on top of the heap. I guess what we're trying to say is whether you're a fat out of shape truck driver, whether you're a skinny geek pushing a taxi cab, whether you're a doctor or lawyer that doesn't have half the money we have, this is the way life is. If Ole wants to slap Road Warrior Hawk, he'll do it. If Tully wants to spit on Road Warrior Animal, he'll do it. If Iron wants to take Dusty Rhodes, do all that, he'll do it. And Nikita, if I want you, all three of them, to hold you, I'm going to slap you. I'm going to spit on you, I'm going to kick you, and I'm going to go, woo, all night long. We going to Minneapolis, we going to LA, we going to Frisco, Albuquerque, Chicago. In other words, after we beat all the wrestlers up, if there's a woman out there, what to find out, just where she stands in the world of femininity, jump on the horseman one time, baby. It's an all-night we're going to destroy Philly tonight. Woo! Chicago tomorrow, the four horsemen right here. Yeah!